We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. IB Nation, welcome back to the Irish Breakdown Podcast. Ryan Roberts here, Director of Recruiting here at irishbreakdown.com, bringing you some latest Notre Dame conversation. Going to start with a little combine talk for people that don't know. Eight former Notre Dame football players, standouts, will be in Indianapolis the end of this month to test their skills in front of some of the NFL scouts, GMs, decision makers that will be on tap in Indianapolis, Indiana. I'm also going to hit on some latest recruiting news during this. There's a, a a couple key prospects in the 2025 class that Notre Dame is trending in a very good direction with most recently. And we really want to hit on a couple of those key nuggets. And then, of course, we'll hit a mailbag at the end. I am solo for now, possibly having someone join me at some point. We'll see what happens, you know towards the probably couple minutes into the show, but regardless folks, let's talk some combine because it's one of my favorite weeks of the year. And for people that don't follow the combine too closely this year's on field activities, because it's a very long week for 2024 NFL draft prospects, but for the on field activity, which is what most people care about, right? They want to see players run their 40, do the L broad jump, vertical, you get some access to bench press occasionally, depending on uh, usually just the, the best numbers of the day. But regardless, that will be from February 29th on the field to March 3rd is when you will see the on-field activities, which is when, as Notre Dame fans, you get to see your former Notre Dame stars compete in front of all the scouts in Indianapolis. So those eight players are Sam Hartman, quarterback, running back Audric Estime, Offensive lineman Joe Alt and Blake Fisher. Defensive side of the football, you're going to have Javante Jean-Baptiste. Defensive end, you're going to have linebackers Maris Loyfowl and J.D. Bertrand, as well as cornerback Cam Hart. So eight total players from off of Notre Dame's 2023 squad will be in Indianapolis. And for varying degrees, this week is going to be huge for each one of these players. For And we'll... I'm going to break it down a little bit, just kind of briefly for you all, give you some of the key points and things to watch for. When we get closer to the combine, we'll do a much more in-depth conversation as far as what do we want to see? What do they need to accomplish? What are the numbers they need to hit? All those miscellaneous things will be in a little bit of a deeper breakdown, but this is going to be more of a early information. What are you going to be watching for, for each one of these football players? Because these weeks, means so much different things to depending what position you play, your status overall. There's going to be some players that opt to not work out at all and because of their status high in the draft. There's going to be injury updates, the medical side of the, of the thing, which would be huge for one Notre Dame player in particular. You're also going to have, obviously, the one-on-one opportunities between these players and the teams. Now, these things are timed, so it's a little bit of a limited opportunity to get to know a player but it is an opportunity at the end of the day. So I want to get into each one of these players, a couple of key things to note, and then we'll move on to a little bit of recruiting talk. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So, let's start with Sam Hartman. Quarterback, Notre Dame, spent one year with the Fighting Irish after a very good stretch, to say the least, with the Wake Forest Demon Deacons, where he was a record-setting quarterback at Wake. Spent one year at Notre Dame, had ups and downs, some good, some middling, some average. And we obviously know that it didn't live up to our expectations as Notre Dame fans. I don't have to tell you all that. That's not breaking news here on this podcast. But Sam Hartman did get invited to the Reese's Senior Bowl 2024 edition a couple weeks ago where he competed down in Mobile, Alabama. And I thought Sam, because I know people hyper-focus on the game, game was terrible. But for the most part, Sam had a pretty good week, in my opinion, in Mobile, Alabama. And this event, more than anything in Indianapolis for a quarterback, because I, I don't think anybody expects Sam Hartman to go to Indianapolis in his shorts and run four six and dazzle everyone with his with his great physique and, and all those weird things that we talk about during combine week, obviously. But what are the key parts of playing the quarterback position? Communicator, leader, those elements to this conversation, Sean, is what and Sean Davis is joining us, by the way, because he loves the combine time of the year. And I've talked to Sean. He might stop by in Indianapolis for a little bit, depending yeah. on what the schedule is like. So, Sean, kind of yeah. hitting on players. Sam Hartman, obviously, we're getting in the conversation here. I don't think the, I don't think the actual workout is that important for Sam. It's gonna be, it's, it's gonna be important for him to look at throwing the football during that section of practice. But overall, this one for quarterback Sean is much more built upon those meetings the one-on-ones, the whiteboard action. Can you impress us with your intellect and your leadership ability? That's what Sam Hartman has to prove this uh, this upcoming week in India at the end of the month. And then what I love about the combine is he's going to get attention from teams that actually have a vision for him, right? And don't expect him to come in. Look, everybody's going to look at Brock Purdy and say, dude, can we get the next Brock Purdy in round five, six, seven? Because Sam Hartman beat Sam Hartman is not the athlete Brock Purdy is. You know, he's not going to make the off. I don't even think, just from what we saw on film, I don't think he has the anticipatory skills of a Brock Purdy, right? Even though he's played and started similar amount of games in college. So now it's about teams that can look at him and be honest about who he is and can make a value, an evaluation of where he possibly fits in their systems. Could Sam Hartman be a 10-year vet as a backup? You're darn right he can. You're darn right he can if he goes to the right situation. He can end up being that dude. Uh, is he going to have to uh, – dude, Tyson Bajan here in Chicago. Like, it's your boy, man. I remember, boy. I remember watching him at the Combine last year like, oh, okay. This kid has played a lot of football. Not the competition isn't great, but, yo, he beat out a, a, a vet. Long-time vet in the NFL to be the backup here in Chicago. And I, I think he's going to hold on to that spot. So it really is about finding someone that believes in you in the combine, yes. which goes to what you said, the meetings, right? Because people are not going to just waste their time bringing you in if they don't think there's something there. That might be some teams that just through due diligence, like, all right, yeah, add him to the list. But hopefully the teams that bring him in will have interest have a vision that he can possibly be 
who he is, which is not a you know a guy that's going to start and lead you to the Super Bowl. But yeah, he could add something to the roster. The combine week is so interesting because I I think Antoine Johnson had said like he has kind of mixed feelings about it. And Antoine, as a person that is literally his roots are in the NFL draft sphere. I have mixed feelings of the combine as well, man. I really do. Cause I think that some people at times negate three to four years of film for one day of a workout. And you try to convince yourself of things. The combine mm-hmm. always structures is this for me, Sean, the athleticism side of things. I see a wide receiver on tape and I'm like, wow, that kid is incredible. Vertical elements R- looks like a four, three athlete to me. He goes to the combine. He runs a four, three. You know what that does, Sean? Just verifies it, man. I, I don't need to watch any more film. I don't need to bump his grade. He's exactly what I thought he was. But if Will Fuller, who is that person I was just talking about, if he goes to the combine and Will Fuller runs a 4-5, that's a situation where you might have to say, I might need to go back and watch the tape a little bit more because there's mm-hmm. something maybe that I missed there, right? So it's usually when the athletic testing is out of realm of expectation that makes you go back to the film. It doesn't change your grade. I want you all to understand does not change my grade. If a player I thought was fast and they just run slower than anticipated, I'm not initially knocking their their grade. Like that's not how that works. What these tests do is it either verifies things or it makes you go back and watch the film again. And then sometimes your opinion might change from there. So I just want people to understand that process. But then we're talking about the full week. Mm-hmm. We're talking about the team interviews. There's also media availability, which is always my favorite part because you get to talk to some of the prospects. But Sean, for people that don't know, the people that are the, the guys that are going through this this draft process and getting ready for these events, they're not just running forty times and doing L drill and, and doing bench press in the in these workouts. They also are getting interview prep of how to answer specific questions. So you have to be a really good interviewer as a media member to get anything out of it, right? Because you know what? They, they, the conversation is going to be very easy, Sean. It's going to be very easy. You're a Chicago Bears fan. Hey, Sam, <laughs> what could you potentially bring to the Chicago Bears? Oh, man, I'm a, I'm a leader. I'm a competitor. I'll do whatever it takes to win. Just the standard cliche stuff. But mm-hmm. then you need to ask a different follow-up to try to really get it out of them, right? Like, give me your real personality. I don't want to hear the cliches. But that's what they were trained to do, obviously, because they are trying to just kind of check boxes throughout the draft process. Sam does need to check boxes here, though. He does, because I think that how Sam is going to make a living, and you hit on it a little bit, is as a guy that you can depend on from a day-to-day perspective. Not a day-to-day mm-hmm. perspective as in, I need him to go out and start for me and throw for 300 yards and four touchdowns. No, I need him to be able to be a part of a quarterback room and know that if his number is called at any point, he can do a serviceable fine job. I know that there is a big back and forth between the, the, uh, what's what's the term? It is a game manager, right? A game manager versus a game changer. We've heard that conversation a ton. There's nothing wrong. Listen to me, folks. There is nothing wrong with being a game manager in the NFL as a quarterback because you know what that does, Sean? Gives you a job, man. It gives you a job. You want to make hey. a roster first and foremost. It's a lot less pressure. <laughs> you, you can lose your starting job before you lose your, your backup job. A backup stick around for you. Man, Chad Henney. Dude, I can give you a list of backups. It's just Nick Foles. Chase Daniel. They're healthy. Chase Daniel, healthy. Super Bowl rings. Big time money. Heck, the backup yeah, makes, man. what, five, six million right now? Oh, yeah. More than that? Yeah. Yes, some more than that. Yep. You stack <laughs> that for bad. 10 years, stack that for 10 years and keep your health. It's a yeah, pretty man. good job. It is. It is. If you ask All that me, say would, is, I yeah. rather, would you rather be Justin Fields or would you rather be a backup that's going to be in the league for 10 years? See, that's, you really have to think about that, don't you, Ryan? Well, depends who the backup is, right? So, like, if you ask me, would I rather be Justin Fields or rather be Chase Daniel? I'd rather be Chase Daniel because he made a mess of money and didn't get, it hurt his body at all, right? But like he's just chilling, man. He's got a lot of money in the back. In the back, right? You know what I mean? rather, so, rather than to question whether or not you could be a guy and go from team to team, right. and yeah, man, and honestly, and, take the hits. and honestly, not every starter is going to be suited to be a backup in the NFL because there's some guys. I mean, we saw this with Cam Newton, even John, mm-hmm. like. Cam Newton mm-hmm. could have prolonged his career a little bit if he would have been like, you know what? I'm just going to be a backup. I'm going to be okay with that. 
Colin Kaepernick, mm-hmm. another one where he's just like, if, it, if at some point he was just like, you know what? I'm done fighting the fight. I'm not going to get a starting job in this league. I could just be a backup here and then get some money each and every year. You could have prolonged the career a little bit. You could have, but yeah. there's some, there's some quarterbacks that just don't want to do that, which that's their prerogative. But I mean, it's, it's just all that to say is nothing wrong with being a backup quarterback in the NFL, man. There is zero wrong with it, but ultimately this week, Sean, coming up at the end of the month, again, on field is from February 29th to March 3rd is when you'll be able to tune into NFL Network and watch all the workouts and everything if you're an avid watcher of the NFL Scouting Combine. That week is not – anything you see on TV is not going to improve Sam Hartman's stock. None of it. Mm-hmm. What happens behind the scenes when he talks to the teams, medical checks, all that miscellaneous stuff, that's going to not make or break because I don't think it's going to break necessarily, but it's going to verify a lot of things about Sam Hartman. Hopefully, in that week in Indianapolis, can we go to can we go to Audrey Estime next? Because he's an interesting one, Sean. Because it does yeah. matter more what he does in the shorts during Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. I think that anybody can really watch Audrey and come away with these couple of assumptions. Okay, one, very powerful. And he's mm-hmm. pretty dang explosive once he gets going in a straight line. You can look at those things and be like, yep, he's got that. And he's productive. Like all three of those things, that's cool. This week, Sean, coming up for Audric, for me, is about can you make someone go back to the tape that had just that assumption of you that you're just as power back, that doesn't do much out of structure, that can't affect the passing game. If there's anybody that watches watched the film and thought that, Hmm. you have a chance to make them go back and rethink a little bit. Cause I do think there's some things on film. Aldrich brings to the table that not enough people give him credit for the quick feats, the ability that he does right. have as a pass catcher, there's nuance to his game, but I think that we'll talk about 40 times a lot and people are going to hyper-focus on that. I do think the 40 is important for Aldrich, but I think more than anything, what's more important in my opinion, that change of direction stuff, you're going to see the, you're going to see the short shuttle. You're going to see the three cone. And when he gets into the section of the practice where it's about the pass routes and pass catching stuff, I think that that's really going to make or break whether Audric is a mid-day two draft pick or maybe a guy that's hovering around late day two, early day three conversation. I think just to use him for example, I think you have the combination of Khalil Herbert and David Montgomery. And you really had your big play guy, and your pound and ground guy. And you saw with David Montgomery going to Detroit with Jameer Gibbs, you saw what it did for their run game. It gave them versatility in the run game. No, the Bears missed that. So the Bears going to get a kid like Audrey Estimate, they thought, they thought Roshan Johnson could be that kid, couldn't stay healthy. He just couldn't stay healthy, and he just doesn't have the girth to do that in the NFL. I'm I'm just telling you what they thought, bro. Well, and and I'm just going to say is that usually, guys, the college career does give you some hints as far as what's going to happen. Roshan Johnson was never able to stay healthy for Texas. Am I shocked Mm -hmm. that he was able to stay healthy year one? I mean, I'm not. So just to kind of make a point on top of your point there, the main point. So, you know, Audrey Estimate. And just using this as an example will be a perfect fit for the Bears, regardless of what they do at quarterback, right? Because you oh, yeah. you want that versatility in the run game. It would be a perfect fit. And I think for me, Aldrick is underrated in his ability. That was the first the first time I saw him on the practice field. I remember texting Brian saying, "This dude has incredible feet for his size." He does. Like, dude, his feet for his size are incredible, and that's going to bode well for him in the NFL. But it's going to be very important, the system he goes to and the team that he goes to. And I think a team like the Bears would really need him, which might push him push him up the board a little bit further for them than maybe on some other yeah. boards. But you're, you're, you're absolutely right. The on-field agility drills, what he runs in the 40, I don't think people would expect him to. Because we've seen Aldrich pull away from guys. I mean, the North Carolina State run, we've seen him pull away from guys once he gets to the next level. So he has a level of explosiveness for his size that's not like B. John Robinson or something like that. But for his size, you know, yo, if you let him get a step, it 
first of all, catching up to him is one thing. And then having to pull him down as a defensive back is a different thing. I think yep. I wouldn't put him in a system with – I don't know, how would you feel? Because I was thinking like, okay, you see Pacheco and how, how hard he runs, but Pacheco is not really – that's his style of running. He's not really a big guy. No, he's like 202 pounds or 204 pounds or something like that. Right. Pacheco's not a big so, guy at all. Yeah, I'm thinking like, yo, if Kansas City can get him, you know, to pair. It, it's just, it's all about how teams. This is really about the beauty contest, right? The, it's left up to the judges, and it's subjective. And like Miss Oregon and Miss California can look like twins, but you know, you think one is better and the other one is okay. It is that's what right. the NFL draft is. It's a bunch of guys coming to a beauty beauty pageant, and we'll get to see like on draft day, what the results are, because it's all subjective. It really is. Yes, it is. No, no, it, 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 it is it is subjective. That's why you hear every year that this guy had third-round grades on some boards and then sixth or seventh-round grades on others. There's diversity of opinions on players a lot because ultimately, and, and this is a key point here, is that when we're navigating how a player is as a prospect, we also need to understand and remember that each team runs a different system. Each team has different core values and beliefs that they bring to the table. So there are going to be some teams that are that might even be running back needy that are going to look at Aldrich and be like, that guy doesn't fit our system. I think of like the Kyle Shanahan, Mike Shanahan outside zone system, right? That everyone's trying to run for the most part. You know, the San Francisco 49ers and every Kyle Shanahan disciple out there for the outside zone system. And mm-hmm. Sean, like... Aldrich doesn't really fit outside zone much. Like I, I wouldn't want him in that system. Like I want him no. inside zone gap power system. Like I want those, that little combination there because he's just not an outside zone runner necessarily, but Aldrich has a chance just early conversation to showcase that he's a, maybe a more dynamic athlete. Now I'm not going to say better athlete because I don't think people watch Aldrich and film and be like, oh, that guy's not a good athlete. I think it's trying to show that there's nuances and subtleties to his game that maybe you did not give him enough credit for because there have been plenty of plays where I watch him and I'm like, that guy's front side. The, the Duke run, Sean, the, to win the game, yeah. he was front side and then he cut it all the way backside on inside yeah. zone. Like, that's not a stiff runner, man. Like, you don't tell me that that has no foot quickness or that doesn't have any type of short area burst if you're able to kind of hit zone backside a ton. I mean, so, yeah. Aldrich has a lot to gain. He has a lot of and, – and the big thing about Aldrich, and I'll move on to the offensive lineman, but Audric Sean is also in a running back class in 2024. That's not a great class. It's not. I point. mean, right now at the top, you're like Trey Benson from Florida State, Florida State, Jonathan Brooks from Texas, who's good, but he's coming off an injury. Blake Corum, who's going to be five less sub five seven, like he's going to be five six and some change, and he's a, just a smaller body type who's had a little bit of durability concerns throughout his Michigan career at times. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot more question marks in the running back position than answers, and I think mm-hmm. Aldrich wants to be an answer after the week in Indianapolis. I think he has a chance to. Now, the, probably the biggest one from we're talking about just cementing who you are, just make sure that you put a stamp on everything. Is Joe Alt? He has a chance, Sean. Right now, today, I would say majority of teams, and especially the ones high in the draft that will be selecting an offensive tackle. I'm confident in saying, based upon conversations and just general flow of everything that's happening, that Joe Alt is probably OT1 for a majority of teams right now. First offense tackle off the board. He's competing with Olufushanu from Penn State. He's going to be uh, competing with Talis Fuaga from Oregon State. He's going to be uh, fighting with J.C. Latham from Alabama. Like, there's some, it's a really good offensive tackle list. It is. Despite that, I think Joe has separated himself a little bit, Sean, because he had a great year, man. He had a great, great year for Notre Dame. But there is an assumption out there, which I think is kind of dumb and kind of insane, that Joe Alt is technically savvy and proficient and checks a lot of boxes, right? But that he's not a great athlete. (laughs) And I don't know where that comes from. I I talked, I was talking with Brian about this on the phone one day, Sean. I want to hear your thought on this because. I think that Joe Alt gets underrated athletically because he's a former high school tight end, man. Like, he's got to be a really good athlete. Like, he is a really good athlete. But I think he gets underrated as an athlete because he makes everything look so easy. Does it ever look 
like Joe Alt's trying incredibly hard on the football field, man. Like he just makes everything look so natural and so easy that I think some people underrate his athleticism. I don't know if you see similar or not, but that's just kind of my thought process to why people underrate the athleticism there. I think it goes back to subjectivity. Like we talked about, bro. Like, look, people just don't want to believe that things are what they are. They just have to find something. And sometimes you can fall into that trap as an evaluator. Sometimes the picture is what it is. Like, you know, sometimes you feel as an evaluator, like, man, maybe this is too good to be true. It's like, no, man, he is that good. It does come that easy for him. It is like, yo, and everybody's going to raise their level and get better going to the next level. But what he has is so easily transferable. Like, what is, what's the issue? And like you said, right. if he in this class, I think uh, Phil Yates put out his. I think he has him going fifth to the Chargers. I think Chargers are fine. Going, yep. Yeah, he has him going fifth to the Chargers. So that's that's the impact of Jim Harbaugh. That's what that is. That's like okay, sure. Jim Harbaugh's coming in, and he's probably going to take the best dude on that offensive line to set the culture, and that's that's Joe Alt. You know, so. Yep. He's not just the best in a weak class, like you said. He's the best in a very impressive class very of offensive class. tackles. You know, yep. in comparison to last year when you got a kid like Darnell Wright jumping up, where he there's no way he should be taking it high as a right tackle. Yeah. But yeah. Let, I, let me ask you a question. Since yes. this class is really good at tackles. Yeah. Are we watching a trend? maybe not so much in college that you trust your quarterback so much mm-hmm. that you don't have to have a top notch tackle group. And this goes back to what you, you did, yeah. we did this Monday, would you prefer yeah. elite interior guys versus elite tackles or elite tackles versus, you know, okay. Interior guys. Yeah. Cause I think the Chiefs, you see the Chiefs prefer, they have really good interior guys. Like their interior guys, they do elite, and then they they can yep. switch out the tackles because they trust Patrick and his ability to be mobile, right. move up in the pocket. They're like, "Yo, if we can just get these guys to do this, we'll be fine sure. at the tackle position." So, I'm just, yeah. I'm wondering from an NFL standpoint if that's a trend that other teams might be following to trust their quarterbacks if they have a top quarterback when they look at the draft. I think the margin margin between in stopping interior pressure and edge pressure has definitely come closer together because we're now mm-hmm. seeing an age, Sean, where, I mean, you got Aaron Donalds and, and Chris mm-hmm. Jones and some of these freak shows inside. It used to be this gen, genu, generally, because there's obviously exceptions, right? Like we've seen Warren Sapp and some other great sack artists playing inside Bryant young <laughs> that literally played at Notre Dame. Like we've seen some defensive mm-hmm. tackles that can penetrate and create a lot of pressure. But typically what has been historically is usually your edge players are your better pass rushers, typically, right? Typically. Mm-hmm. And a left tackle is playing, I would st- I, I would still argue this, against probably pound for pound the best athlete on the field in most areas. And that is the weak side defensive end in most cases, the Miles Garrett and mm-hmm. TJ Watt and those dudes that were I mean, when you look at Miles Garrett, Sean, that dude is not made on the planet Earth. I don't. I need to see a birth certificate before I actually. Actually, I don't even need a birth certificate. I need video footage of him being born on this Earth before I believe yeah. that he was born on this Earth. These defensive ends nowadays, man, yeah. it doesn't make any sense. Like it literally does not make any sense. Some of these athletic freaks. How about Trayvon Walker had a good second year out of Georgia for the Jacksonville Jaguars. He had like ten sacks this year, Sean. That guy was mm-hmm. 6'5", 275, and ran a four five one. What? What are we talking about? What are we talking about? Some of these guys are just some of the absolute freakiest athletes that we will ever see. I mean, they are crazy. So I still maintain left tackle is the most important position on the fields from a secondary to a quarterback. I still believe that that position is paramount. Now, I will say is that it's become a little bit of a trend, and you're absolutely correct, with the Kansas City Chiefs of, I want a guy, I want to make sure my quarterback can step up in the pocket, and he's a little bit, Patrick Mahomes is a little bit of a, 
he can get the ball out quick when he wants to, but then we know that there are some times where he's going to hold the ball. You know why? Because he can do things that other people just can't do, right? Like he just mm-hmm. can't do it. So for the most part, though, I do think you want to have greatly good offensive tackles and a good and a solid to good interior for the most part, because for every Patrick Mahomes, there just aren't many guys like him. I mean, we can count those guys on like two or three fingers, like the Patrick Mahomes, yeah. Josh Allen's, those guys can do that or they can hold the ball forever at times because they can make a just magnificent play. But then there are Joe Burrow, Justin Herberts, guys yeah. that need to get the ball out a little bit faster, a little bit quicker to be as successful as they possibly can. Jared Goff, we just saw playing an NFC championship game, right? Like for him, making sure that you can get the ball out quick is more essential than get than being able to extend the inside of the pocket, if that makes sense. So it's a great question, though, man. A lot of nuance. Yeah, that I, I, I was just wondering because I'm like, yo, yeah, the copycat league in certain ways, and like, dude, you see this success yep. where they're just swapping out tackles for Patrick Mahomes like every other year. You know, I think they're a left tackle this year is a free agent. They might just let him walk and just because Orlando Brown went to Cincinnati, <laughs> you know, yes. the previous tackle from last year's Super Bowl. And now this this tackle is on a free agent, so they might just be like, okay, we'll swap him out as well. It's it's yeah. yo, it's you know, if you believe you have a guy, yeah, like a Joe Burrow or like a Patrick Mahomes or you know Josh mm-hmm. Allen or of that ilk, you know, Dak Prescott has had pretty impressive tackles or yep. offensive linemen down in Dallas. So it might be yes. different for him. It might be different for Jalen Hurts, but if you have a dude. You know, you might not feel like you have to protect his backside because you trust that he can work around there, right? It's what magic you happens. said, yep. Heck yeah, like you said, Chris Jones literally saved three touchdowns Sunday, <laughs> literally on yeah. three plays. Yeah, and L- literally, the literally, the the game's probably over if he doesn't have that quick pressure in, yes. in that game as well, where they could have hit. Who was it? Uh-huh. Was it um? Who was the wide receiver that was open? Ayuk was open backside, and and, and, and fifteen, I forget his name, was open to the. Oh, Juwan Jennings. Juwan Jennings is open on a little swirl route. Yeah, yeah. So that just goes to show you, man. Like, well, Sean, I think we're gonna have to have a crazy study in a couple years, man, because you know what positions get paid on the offensive side of the football aside from a quarterback? It's offensive tackles. They get paid Mm -hmm. so. Maybe Patrick Mahomes is going to save the Chiefs a little bit of money because he doesn't need great offensive tackles. He can make that. I mean, honestly, like it's kind of a joke, but like honestly, it's kind of true-ish that maybe he can get away with some average guys that aren't going to be at market value, and he makes yeah. it work because you have to you have to save money somewhere, man. When you're paying a quarterback forty plus million dollars a year, you got to save it somewhere. Can allocate it and everywhere. they don't they don't seem to value. So this goes to man, this is cool because we're talking combine. So like the Chiefs. Yeah. Don't really, they probably go to the combine and never really look at offensive tackles. Like, yeah, I can't even yeah. think I mean, of the last offensive not. tackle they, they drafted. Like, but they draft early. Oh, they draft. Early. What was your grade on Creed Humphrey and Trey Smith? Do you remember? Did you think, like, oh, dude, I, 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 had a, I had a high grade on Trey. So, so a little bit of my process, just so that everybody knows, and it's a great question, Sean. I don't insert injury concerns into my on-field evaluation. So I had a late first-round grade on Trey Smith, but I had a medical red flag next to his name. Like, you knew mm-hmm. that the the issues with the blood clots was going to be a thing for teams. You knew it, right? But I thought at the time, and I have maintained this, obviously, and I look pretty good for this take, that they got a late first-round level player in the sixth round because of the blood mm-hmm. clot issue. Creed Humphrey... I was a little bit higher than what the NFL. I mean, Creed ended up being a third round pick, I believe, or late, very yeah. late second. He went after Josh Myers though from Ohio State. Who actually, I kind of liked a little bit coming out of Ohio State, but I had an early second round grade on Creed Humphrey. So they got value in both spots. They got tremendous value with Trey Smith though. That so now that's what I'm saying. They are great evaluators, and they go get dudes right that everybody else might say okay. Well, because Creed Humphrey was pretty good at Oklahoma, man. I like, and then Joe Tooney. Trivia question. Who, who was Joe Tooney's high school quarterback? Wait, so, oh, that's a good question. Wait, so Joe Tooney went to NC State. Who was his high school quarterback? Uh, Ever Golson? That's my guess. Maybe he's a North Carolina. Guy. Year. No way. Really? Yes. Really? Way. Yes. Wow. So wow. that, that, 
Dude, they they evaluate. Also, ever ever goes from South Carolina. I just said North Carolina. Yeah. I was completely off off there, but yeah, okay, yep. They evaluate. They evaluate the interior guard, the guard, totally different than they evaluate young college tackles. You can just tell. Like, look, yeah. we can figure the tackle situation out. Like, yeah, look, go get me some studs inside from rounds three back. Right, and that's where your scouts come in, guys like you, that'll say, "Yo, mm-hmm. he's he might fall, but he's a first round talent." All right, so if we can get him late, he fits perfectly. Like, dude, the Tyreek yeah. Hill trade. Yeah. Go look at this, the eight draft picks. Seven, seven of that eight draft picks started on a Super Bowl winning team. Like, dude, that is that's an organization that's like they get it. Right, because yes. it's not for us, and like this will go to high school recruiting. For us, the the easy thing for us to do, the, the easy fruit to grab, are the the platforms, the re- platforms, and the stars, and the rankings. That's the easy yep. stuff. Unfortunately, that's not dude. That's not how you build a team based upon those platforms. You actually have to evaluate and do the work and develop, right? Yep. And that is. Something that will all you estimate. What type of offensive line does he operate best behind? What type of running system does he operate best behind? Like, yeah, does he work better in an offense that's going to be under center a little bit more? Mm-hmm. Or it, it, all of these things and teams and organizations like the Chiefs that know who they are, right? They know who they are. Yes. And sure. they're not about to go waste their time at a combine looking at the top tackles when they're like, dude, we don't, we're wasting our time doing that. We're wasting our time. We're not taking the top tackle at 31 because we expect to be either 31 or 32 every year. Either we win the Super Bowl or we lose the Super Bowl. That's what we expect to be every year and in every round. So in that case, this is the way we're going to go about doing it. Right. And it's the same thing with everybody that I think would know, I think this pro day at Notre Dame is going to be one of the most intriguing. Me personally, even though you Joe Alt might be the only guy that's like, we might have years down the line, like next year, too. You're going to have two defensive backs in Notre Dame to have a chance to get called the first day. Flat out, they have a chance based upon what they do yep. during the season and then after the season, testing. Yep. So yep. the excitement and the buzz might be a little bit more, right? Sure. It, heck, if Riley Leonard has a good year, it's going to be buzz about him. Could be. Right? And, and next but, year's quarterback class does not look good early on. Does not look good exactly. early on. So he's got a chance. He's got a chance. It's going to be interesting. Sean, we'll move on to, to uh, Blake Fisher here in a second. But the Kansas City Chiefs have always have a soft spot for me. Not because, I mean, I'm not a Chiefs fan at, by any means. Mm-hmm. But that defense is basically all Ryan Roberts draft crush man it's mm. crazy i was talking about it with someone on literally someone said this to me like a couple weeks ago and i didn't even realize it but i was higher than the markets comparative to where they went and compared to mm-hmm. what a lot of people thought on george Karloftis, on nick bolton on mm-hmm. willie gay jr on leo chanel out of wisconsin out of joshua williams from fateville states and then trent mcduffie out of washington i was higher probably on just about anybody in draft media on those right. guys man i i really like that defense they add in that they have drew tranquil and chris jones and and all these dudes right you're like that that defense is fun man that's a fun 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 defense i really intelligent yes, intelligent defense yes a very intelligent defense <laughs> yes Sean, let's talk about Blake Fisher now because we spent a, we spent a lot of time on on Joe Alton for good reason. I mean, he's going to be the first player drafted for Notre Dame in the twenty twenty four NFL draft. You mentioned number five to the Chargers. I think at worst, um, barring some injury that we don't know about or some medical red flag, whatever it might be, Joe Alt pick number seven, Tennessee Titans is probably the floor for Joe Alt. Like I would be surprised if he gets past number seven overall in the 2024 NFL draft, a guy that I think there's a lot of variance on though. Don't say that, Ryan, you know, you know, my squad is sitting at nine. Don't say that. Uh, well, I'm sorry, man. I don't think you're going to have, say, you, you might be able to, you might be able to give Bashanu or, or Fawag mm-hmm. or somebody else. Like no, that, no, nope, no, nope, no, nope. no, 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 no,
No, right, I, I want right. I want Joe. I want Joe. All right, well, you, you might have to trade up for Joe with that. You might have to jump up to six to get in front of Tennessee. <laughs> that might have to be something you have to do. But a guy that is very uh, has high variance in this class, Sean. Mm-hmm. I've heard third to fourth round grades. I've heard some people a little bit lower. That's Blake Fisher, former starting right tackle for Notre Dame, who is a very interesting one, Sean, because there was a reason that he was a five-star by one recruiting platform coming out and a high four-star by a couple others. There was a reason for that. The kid's obviously talented, right? Yeah. Obviously. But there is a multi-layer conversation here. One, I want to see what the arm length is for Blake Fisher to see if he's a true offensive tackle at the next level. Two, I want to see how he tests overall. I expect him to test pretty well, personally. I, I expect him to test pretty well. The, the third one, though, is that I would love to sit down with him and talk whiteboard, talk the ball, talk ball a little bit, see what his passion is for the game, see how he understands the game at a higher level. Because the one thing that we need to cut Blake some slack with a little bit, and myself included, for some of the maturity stuff that we've cited, right? As far as like maybe not being locked in all the time, like that type of stuff. He's only 20 years old, Sean. He is not 21 yet. He will not be 21 until March. So he's a young cat, man, which NFL teams are going to love. They're going to look at him and be like, it's a young dude. We can figure it out. We can get some out of him. He's got high upside. You know, there's a lot to, to be learned, though, about Blake Fisher later this month. I think that he has a chance to rise to somewhere on day two, late, probably more late day two in the third round range, or maybe he doesn't check a couple of those boxes and he falls a little bit. So it's going to be a huge week for Blake Fisher in its entirety, man. Like there's yeah. not one thing I'm looking forward to Blake Fisher interviews, being able to check in with measurements and then testing on the field. There's a lot that Blake Fisher has to gain later this month in Indianapolis. I think he's very well equipped to answer any questions physically that a team might have. The biggest question, I hope they're preparing. They're going to ask him about off-field stuff that teams are going to want to know, like, yo, because they're going to find out. Yeah. Like, whatever they need to find out, they're going to find out. And he needs and, to and it's, be and it's not, And it's, yeah, and, and it's nothing criminal. It's nothing, no. like, to the serious extent. It's just maturity stuff, right? Like, and, and it's a question that everyone is going to get answered. I mean, questioned, especially when you're young like him, right? Like he's yeah. 20 years old. He's not even going to be 21 yeah. when the combine finishes. So yeah. there's going to be a lot of questions and there should be yeah. a lot of questions. There has to yeah. be a so process. I hope he takes it serious. I hope he's straightforward. Yeah. Don't try to avoid it. You're no. 20. Be honest because they want they want to know, are you worth the investment? Exactly. Because we, we're sitting is. with you because we like you. The player. That's why we're talking yep. to you. That's why we're taking time. But we have to back up the way we feel by asking these questions. And that's going to be vitally important. And then on top of that, I would ask you, because you talked yep. about if he becomes a riser, he can get up to that third round. Who, who, in your opinion, would fall more in love with him? The scouts or the O-line coaches of NFL teams? O-line coaches. O-line okay. coaches. I was literally texting a buddy about Blake Fisher this morning who's not doesn't have Notre Dame allegiance at all. We're just talk, kind of talking about him as a prospect. And I literally said that I think that an O-line coach is going to be super excited about Blake Fisher because, again, mm-hmm. you talk about the age, you talk about the body type. That's another thing, too, with the measurements. I'm curious to see what he weighs in at. I liked him better at 325 than I did at 310 this past year. I liked him a little bit, little bit heavier than what he was this past year. So I, but I think that that makeup, right. As far as he'll probably hit most thresholds. I think his arm length is going to be a little bit borderline from the offensive tackle percentage, mm-hmm. but like, we'll see what it ends up coming in at. But regardless, he's got a big frame, big body that can put on added weight. He's only 20 years old. And regardless of what you thought of how Blake played this past year, Sean, he was still a two year plus starter at Notre yeah. Dame, which yeah. means something that left tackle as a true freshman. Yep. Left tackle, so has some experience playing left tackle, not a ton, but then has two years of starting experience at right tackle. So that versatility, I think, is a big sell as well. It'll be a big help. Blake has a lot to prove in Indianapolis, and he's got a lot of money on the line, man. He does. He's one of the few guys that I would argue there's variance to his draft perspective. Like, he could rise a ton. He could fall a good bit. I mean, there's Mm -hmm. there's variance there. There is. Defensive side of the football, 
I was a little surprised. I, I don't know if you agree. Well, actually, uh, let me phrase that a little differently because that might come off a little disrespectful. I wasn't surprised that Javante Jean-Baptiste got a combine invite, but I am a little bit worried about this one, Sean. I am I'm a little bit worried because the edge spot is a position, whether you are a 4-3 hand in the dirt, 3-4 stand-up, or a combination of the two. Athletic traits matter so much. When you're talking yeah. about the best in the business, the mm-hmm. best pass rushers in the NFL, typically they mm-hmm. are the best athletes, arguably on the team. I mean, they are, again, I, I mentioned Miles Garrett, who at 6'4 plus 270 plus pounds, ran a 464, I think, and had a 40 plus inch vert, right? Like just some crazy numbers. Now, I'm a little worried, Sean, though. That Javante is going to, that he's going to go there and just test as a very average or below average athletes. And after his senior bowl performance, which wasn't stellar, it wasn't awful, but it wasn't good either. Like it was just very underwhelming. I'm worried that he's not going to test quite up to the standards of what an NFL defensive end looks like. I'm a little worried, man. A little worried. Uh, that's fair. That's fair to think yeah. that. I would be concerned. I would say, like, yo, look, he was recruited by Ohio State, transferred to Notre Dame. So, obviously, you would expect him to have some level of athleticism. And I think he might be in a place where the strength part is more important because the tape is the tape. So he might have a floor, a ceiling of, well, I need to at least run in this range. Like, like just let right. me get to this range. Because I'm not about to wow anybody. But if I can run in this range and prove, you know, in the strengths that I, I'm a pretty strong kid, now that yeah. gives me an opportunity to attract some teams that maybe need to move me or to say, yo, you can play, play this position or you can play in this scheme. And I don't think he's just going to be one of those guys that's going to come in like the Georgia guys, you know, like a Quay Walker that just came in and just wowed everybody. But it really didn't – the tape didn't show, didn't line up with what they saw athletically. You know, he might be working in reverse. Like, yo, I need to show some things that the tape doesn't confirm to to get some attention from teams. And I I loved a lot of what I saw from Javante this year, Sean. He outplayed Mm -hmm. my expectations. I thought he did all the dirty work that you like to see in these evaluations. I'll make a claim here. Um, My claim would be that Javante Jean-Baptiste is going to stick on a roster for several years in the NFL, but I'm not as much. I'm actually pretty. I'm more certain that he sticks on a roster than I am. He gets drafted this year. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Because there is a there is a line here. I think if we're talking about a guy that has a lot, uh, some to gain here, Javante, I think is on the borderline of being a drafted player, sixth to seventh round, or being a priority free agent. I think that he's right on the cusp there. So a good athletic showing after a underwhelming Senior Bowl, I think could help him potentially to cement being drafted late on day three. I think that he has that type of upside to him. But regardless, I actually would bet on Javante sticking. For a little bit, man, I, I would bet on him sticking a little bit because I just think he has those. Some people call it make it traits. I call it yeah. sticking points. I think that he has a sticking yeah. point on a roster because he does all the little things that you want a grinder to do. A guy that is going to play at the point of attack, going to set the edge, going to play special teams, going to be there every single day. I think he makes it. I'm just not. I'm just not sure that he's going to do anything in Indianapolis that's going to wow us and make him a highly drafted player. Does he remind you because, yo, this, especially with Mike Elson, when he was coaching the defensive line in Notre Dame, where Notre Dame had guys that, yo, you didn't know how they would test, but you knew they they would stick. You knew they would stick. I would think like a, maybe a Romeo Aquar. Like, you know, there, like. There's some parallels to see, Romeo. There's some parallels. Yeah. I can see parallels there. Yeah. And Romeo has stuck with the Lions. Like, it has become valuable, played. You know, his brother has stuck. I thought his brother actually would be more productive in the NFL than he was because of the athleticism. But that's the fine line, Sean. His brother, Julian Julian Aguara, is more looks the part of a Mm high-level NFL pass rusher. But Mm -hmm. Romeo had the, the sticking point. He had to make it traits, right? He was super physical and relentless. And Julian was 
incredibly gifted, but never really put it together, right? And that's I think that's why you've seen Romeo be a lot more productive in the NFL than Julian because he had that sticking point. He had that floor that we always talk about. It's yeah, interesting, interesting comparison there for sure. Interesting. So yeah, I but I think Javante has a chance to stick. It's just going to come down to it's going to come down to getting in the right building and then just mm-hmm. grinding every single day, which I think he has a chance yeah. to do. Linebackers, and then we'll get to the most probably the most important medical check of this of this uh, draft process for almost any player outside of maybe Peyton Wilson yeah. from NC State. Linebackers, so we'll talk about these two together because we need to get to some recruiting updates here in a little bit as well. Maris Loyfal, will linebacker, was at the Senior Bowl, six foot two, two hundred thirty nine pounds, thirty four inch arms, seventy nine inch wingspan. Will be joined by his teammate JD Bertrand, who. What's about polar opposites, Sean? Very different football players. JD, super steady, pretty good in a straight line, but not the twitched up athlete, obviously, that Marist has um, is that he brings to the table. This week, athletically, is big for Marist Loyfow. Not as mm-hmm. big for JD, because I, I don't really don't think look, I expect JD to run somewhere in the four sixes. I do. I think he's gonna run better than people think, but you're not drafting J.D. Bertrand for to be for, because of his great athleticism, right? You're drafting mm-hmm. him for what he's going to do in those meeting rooms that we talked about Sam Hartman. He's going to go on the board. He's going to talk about defensive structure. He's going to talk about where guys should be lining up, what gaps they have, what his responsibility is in this certain situation. Those are the things that you're drafting J.D. Bertrand for. You're going to draft Maris Loifal, though, because he's twitched up, athletic, explosive, can play in space. Very different weeks coming up for Maris Loyfell and J.D. Bertrand. Maris needs to test really well, show out as an athlete. J.D. needs to do the things behind the scenes that we've talked about a ton already. Well, they checked some boxes at the Senior Bowl. The fact that they got the invite to the Senior Bowl. And they, J.D., look, J.D. JD Bertrand is going to be that. I don't – J.D. Bertrand is going to be very Wisconsin linebacker-ish. When it comes to the NFL, like, dude, I told you, like, Jack Sanborn is like beloved up here. This dude has his own following and cult. Like, you see Leo Chanel with the Chiefs, and in, in spot, he looks, didn't, he's making Jack plays. Jack Sanborn get replaced this year? Didn't Jack Sanborn get replaced this year? <laughs> yeah, he did. And he's and still, dude, yeah. people were calling for him to replace Edwards in the starting lineup at the start of the year. Uh, Edwards is a good player, man. Uh, Edwards is a good player. Yeah. Edwards, another Wisconsin Badger. TJ Edwards. Yes. Another one. Yes. So I think JD is going to be, I think JD is just really smart. That's invaluable in the NFL to have a guy, especially as a backup that you can depend on, that can make the calls, make the checks, get the defense in line, like, and then play really, really good special teams that's jd bertrand is going to walk in camp and people gonna be like man we love that kid oh dude we love that dude we got that dude in the fifth the sixth except even if he ends up being an undrafted free agent like he's going to stick and play in the nfl he just is and maris is the guy that the scouts well, oh man, they're gonna fall in love with a, a group of plays they're, they're gonna have plays on film they're gonna be like, Oh boy, if he could just stay, if we can get him to stay healthy, he can and we can get him. We can get him kind of like the Packers with Quake Walk. Like we believe we yeah. can get him to play at an elite level. It, it just happens all the time, Ryan. You know it. So they're gonna do it. They're gonna yeah, do it. Yeah. Yeah. So Maris literally might get drafted higher than JD just because you know someone's gonna fall in love with him. You know, but I think so. I think so. Yeah. Who if you had to bet which one would stick? Probably JD more likely to stick like six plus years in the NFL, I would say. Yeah. But I would also say that Maris is probably more likely to be a starter at some point than JD, if that makes Mm -hmm. sense. Like that's the distinction, Mm -hmm. I think. I was trying to look back to my notes, Sean. What was the one game that Maris had that was like crazy? Was it North Carolina State? Was that the one that he had that was just like, that was probably the best Maris has ever played? I'm trying to look at my notes real quick. Yo, on the road against North Carolina, though. Yes. You remember somebody yeah. was either suspended or hurt, and he had to start the first half, mm-hmm. I believe. Mm-hmm. Maris was playing because he was chasing Drake May all over the field. He was blitzing, and, yeah, I remember that. 
Yeah. That was one of his he good had, games, too. Maris has had a couple games where it's about as high of highs in this linebacker class you're going to see. The problem is, is that there are games where he just isn't there, man. He just yeah. isn't there. It's just not. So there's a lot of variance to Maris. We'll see what his outcome is, and we'll know very shortly. Sean, last guy we wanted to hit on here. Save the one that is on a rise already this draft season, but has a big question mark still to be answered in Indianapolis. That's cornerback Cam Hartz. Cam came into the, at the senior bowl with 32 and seven eighth inch. He was sorry. He was six foot two and seven eighths. So nearly six foot three. He had 32 and five eighth inch arms, which is a great number for a corner. And he had a, it was almost a 78 inch wingspan, Sean, 204 mm-hmm. pounds to say very easily here. Cam Hart is how you draw up what, it, what someone would like an NFL corner to look like. He is long as heck, strong, and athletic. Like, it's what you look like. You want it to look like Cam Hart. That is what Mm -hmm. the body type you want in an NFL corner. And it shouldn't be much of a surprise, but he went to the Senior Bowl and had a great week. Was great. It shouldn't be any surprise to anybody that saw him in 2023 because, because at some points, People, other teams were just like, you know what? We're not going to throw at number five anymore. That's just not a mm-hmm. good idea for us. We're just not going right. to do it. And I expect personally, based upon things I'm hearing, mm-hmm. I expect them running the four fours, four four high, probably four four six, four four seven, somewhere in that ballpark at six foot, th- almost six foot three, which would be a great number. I spend the test just solid to good in every aspect. He's going to check mm-hmm. a lot of boxes athletically, Sean. But what is going to make or break Cam Hart's evaluation? And it is going to make or break it, guys. It's either in a good way or a bad way is what the medicals look like. It, yeah. It's going to break it, guys, because we are talking about a defensive player here, Sean, that has had multiple shoulder injuries. And I know some people say he's a corner. You don't have to tackle as much. Sure. But he's also a defensive player with bad shoulders at the end of the day. And there might be an opportunity where Cam might have to play special teams early on in his career to stick. And if that is the case, then you definitely have to use your shoulders. <laughs> like, There's no doubt yeah. about that one, right? So yeah. medicals is going to be the biggest thing, Sean, in Indianapolis. I hope, I pray that Cam is able to put that stuff to rest. But until it is to rest, it is a question mark that is on the table. I just really want this young man. I, see, I pull for guys like Cam, and he's another one of those guys where, yo, the film, dude, Film-wise, he's a first-round pick, like, film-wise. Now people just have to confirm. Well, I won't say first-round. As film, I would say he's a top 50, 75 player. I'm very yeah. comfortable that Cam Harson be sure. in that range. If he comes in and runs a high 4-4, teams are going to be like, oh, okay. If he comes in and runs a low 4-5, teams are going to be like, okay. That's we can work with that. We can work with that. And I think he's in a very advantageous situation that, like you said, the medicals are the big thing for him and, and a player like Peyton Wilson, right? Because the tape, Peyton Wilson is far. Peyton Wilson's definitely gonna run good. That's the one thing oh, yeah. you don't have to worry about. He's going to he, run good. He's, he's he's probably gonna run the four fours, man. That kid can fly for at, which is crazy, yeah. which is absolutely yeah. crazy. So yeah. when you think about that. You know, I, I'm pulling for this young man. I really want him to go because I know Marlon Humphrey might leave. I know they have some other free agents. I, I would love him to go home and play with Kyle. And that's one of his best friends. I, I was going to say the best friends. I'm sure, he'll be, yeah, I'm would, sure he'll be advocating for Cam. Like, absolutely. get Cam here. Right? Absolutely. I would love because he was in the room with Kyle at the draft. I would love to see it reversed. You know, Kyle with him, wherever he's having his draft party. And to see his name called by the Baltimore Ravens, that would be absolutely perfect, right? Because he fits what they do. He yes. he absolutely fits what they do. So, yep. I, man, I'm pulling for this kid, man. If if he ran sub four or five in his first forty, I wouldn't even run it again. I wouldn't even run it again. Check out. As long as that's it. I agree. I agree. That's it. Yep. I wouldn't even run it again. I wouldn't even run it again. Just man, four. I don't care if it's four four nine and. Four four nine nine. Stop. 
Just stop. That's all we need. That's it. All we need is that one thousandth of a second oh. under four or five, and we're that's good. Hilarious. That's that's I, all that's needed. It's funny, you know, the, Sean. There's only one player I can ever recall that had to get, had to run three forties at the combine. Do you remember this one? Mm. There's one player because typically you only run two, right? Mm-hmm. Let me tell you about a story of a young man named Luke Keekley mm. who's coming out of Boston College. He ran four five seven, four five eight, something like that, right on his first forty. And mm-hmm. there was this big, there was this big opinion out there, which was dumb, but it was out there. He's a white linebacker. He can't be fast, right? Sure, sure. So he runs four five eight, and some people are shocked there, right? Mm-hmm. But then he goes on the second one. He runs like four six seven. So like four five <laughs> eight to four six seven. That's a big discrepancy, right? Like mm-hmm. that's a pretty large split there. So mm-hmm. they asked him to run it again, Sean, and then he ran four five nine, and they're like, all right. <laughs> all right man you're good we, we got you brother you're gonna go top 10 we got you yeah, but that's the only player i can ever remember running three 40-yard dashes at the combine they were at because the third one they were like we it was just such a different number first and second that we need to be able to verify what the real time is type of situation so yeah, yeah sorry a little quick tidbit there that's the combine folks we're gonna talk more in oh. depth about it in a couple can weeks. I, yes. Can I clarify something yes. real quick? Because I saw the chat. Of course. When we we're when yeah. we we're talking about Wisconsin tight with JD, we we're talking measurables. We we're talking about productive linebackers that the film shows, but they get drafted low. That's Wisconsin right. linebackers. They end up going fifth. Chris six, Borland. Uh, yeah, yep. Borland, uh, TJ Edwards, Chanel, like dude, Jack Sanborn. That's that's the Wisconsin type. And I mean, look, TJ Edwards, when he was at Wisconsin, 6'1, 230. Mm-hmm. Leo Chanel, I saw somebody in the chat say Leo Chanel was 6'3. You know, TJ Edwards, like I said, 6'1, 230. Jack Sanborn is like 6'1, 6'2, 220 something. And, 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 uh, Chris Borland was like, yeah, JD was six one even, and Chris Borland to to add on to that was sub six foot. He was like five eleven and some change coming out of Wisconsin. Right, so, he just yeah. he retired right forty nine. Yeah, after like right? after his first or second year, he retired because I think yeah. he had um I think he had some head injuries or something like that, so he had to step yeah. away. But he was Sean. He was good. I remember he was like in the defensive rookie of the year voting in, in during his rookie year for San Francisco. He was. Man, he was a dog. He was, he was good. He was good. a dog. He was a really good player. He was a good pickup. Hey, we just to toot the Chiefs. Horn a little yep. bit more, all right? Yes, um, sure. You know who the best defensive back was for the uh, 49ers the last two years? For the 49ers? Yeah. Their number one uh, cornerback. Number seven. What's his name? Ward. Ch- yeah, yeah. Uh, Tredavious Ward. Ward. Yeah. Who drafted yep. him? Yeah. Yep. Who developed him? And then who let him Funny go enough. because they- – Watson and, and McDuffie. Dude, I'm telling you, man, I see why you have a crush, evaluation scout crush on the Chiefs. It's, Chiefs do it right, man. The Chiefs man. do it right, my friends. They do it right. They, Which they are now, very good scouters. Everyone, they're very good scouters. Yeah. Most people say, oh my God, they, they might let, let Sneed go. Yeah, because they know, yes, they can draft. You have Watson another and, team. and Joshua Williams, and yeah, you got guys. Yeah, you got guys. and they got a 32nd pick, and there will probably be a really good defensive back there at 32. <laughs> yep. The only thing the Chiefs ever did that was dumb was they drafted um, Clyde Edwards Hilaire with their first round pick the one year. Yeah. That was uh, not a great pick, yeah, but well, otherwise, they, they can let him go now. He's off the books. So, <laughs> yes, yes, they, especially with Isaiah Pacheco doing his thing. So, yes, exactly. But otherwise, you're not you're never 100 percent obviously in scouting, and they've done a very hey, very good job to fill out the roster. That's what playing with uh, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and Justin Jefferson to do for you. Hey man, he was really good in 2019, but if you would have looked at him, you'd be like, man, but he's five seven, 200 pounds, yeah. and ran like four six something. You're like, mm, I don't know if that's going to translate that well. But nah. hey man, hey man. We all make mistakes. We all make mistakes. Thanks, that's the com- That's the early combine preview, though, folks. We're going to some recruiting talk here next. Before we do, hit that like button for us. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Make sure you hit that notification bell as well if you're listening to us on YouTube. If you're listening to us on your favorite podcast platform, five-star reviews are very much appreciated. Also, go to boards.irishbreakdown.com for all the latest recruiting and team intel. 
We'll be back with you all for some recruiting talk here next on the Irish Breakdown Podcast. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.